Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Why don't you take your seats? It's so good to be with you again. I was with you last year and then we did a business session and then I've done the staff meeting. So I do feel like a friend and I feel so welcome. Thank you, Pastors Tony and Kath and the whole team here. You're all amazing. You're in an expansion season and I'm excited to be or play my part in it. Today, I'd love to propose some thoughts to you from the Bible, quite a few scriptures and you're a church, so you should be fine with scriptures. But what does it mean to upgrade your expectation? To stand back and say, God, what more could you do through what you've given me? And so as we think about what God could do through us, I'd love for us to be able to posture our hearts to say, God, I don't want to be a reactive person. I want to be a creative person. Now, I'm a words person. Creative and reactive have exactly the same letters in it. I'll let a few people go, oh, yeah. Some of you are going to type it out and test me. But reactive and creative have exactly the same letters in it. It means with the same ingredients you can have two very different outcomes. You can sit in church and you can sing the songs and you can have access to the person of the Holy Spirit, not an it, not a power, but a person. He's the best person. And we have an access and a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Yet I've seen people with access and a relationship with the Holy Spirit that have a very reactive life versus other people that have a very creative life. Same ingredients. Let me tell you, let me, if Gordon Ramsay and I had the same ingredients, we'd have very different outcomes because he has a gift on knowing what to do with those ingredients. And God gives us access to his mind and his spirit to say, I've given you ingredients. What are you going to do with them? And either I can live a reactive life or a creative life and it's all in the same ingredient field. Because I'm a clarity person, and if you know me well enough, clarity is the key to seeing clearly of what God has for you. It doesn't mean we never live in chaos. Actually, I thrive in chaos, to be honest, because I see it clearly. So I can make chaos creative, not reactive. And tonight we're going to talk about divine disruption. You want to be here tonight? You know those scriptures where you're a bit afraid that your friends want to talk about at dinner? It's not John 3.16. They, they, they come up and go, uh, what did Jesus cast devils into pigs for? And you're like, let's go to John 3.16. <laughs> well, tonight we're going to talk about it. Jesus divinely disrupted everywhere he went. If you want a clean, neat faith, don't join Christianity. You want to be bored, don't be a Christian. Not a real one. I'll say this because Tony's my friend, but you can't be a stingy Christian. There's no such thing. You're either stingy 
or you're a Christian. And I believe in due diligence, good stewardship. I'm not saying that. But when your heart is always limited, God wants to give us a growth mindset, which means upgrading how we think because we have the mind of Christ. Right? And so there's this disruption in reactive and creativity. But clarity, if you look at the word reactive, has a C right in the middle. And if you take clarity and you make it at the forefront, your reactive becomes creative. So I want to leave that and lead with that this morning as we upgrade our expectation of what does this look like for our future. I want God to stretch you this morning. I go to Brisbane, home tomorrow. So you get stretched by God and I go home. But in the stretch, there's the miracle. In the stretch, there is the power. In Psalm 139, David would say this. How precious are your thoughts toward me, O God. If I should number them, they would outnumber the sand on the planet. How great is the sum of them, for they outnumber the sand. That's a lot of sand. There's a lot of sand on the planet. Let's be fair. There's sand in the deserts of the Sahara and all over the globe. There's sand on the ocean bed that we just don't see, but it's sand. If you're a bad enough golfer, you see a lot of sand. (laughs) There's sand at the beach. There's sand in the layer of the foundation of the earth. And David says, how precious, not, oh, your thoughts outnumber the sand. No, no, how precious, which means they're set apart. How precious are your thoughts toward me, O God? If I should number them, they outnumber the sand, which simply means this. Every second and every breath that you take, there is a God thinking precious thoughts towards you. And like, let's be real, not just as a group, but individually. Millions. It's got to be more than millions because there's a lot of sand on the planet. Millions, billions, trillions, zillions. There's something called a Googleplex or something. But, but, but for me, I just make up. And if you do maths tests, please don't ever quote me. But let's say it's a kabajillion. <laughs> a kabajillion times per second with every breath that you take. There is a God that created all things. And he's thinking about you a kabajillion times per second. And every one of those thoughts is precious. Then you go, but what are his thoughts then? Well, it says then Jeremiah 29, 11, the most quoted verse at Kurong. For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord. Plans of good and not of evil. Thoughts of good and not of evil. Plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. Not just thoughts, plans. So this is God that thinks about you a bajillion times per second. Precious thoughts. But every one of those precious thoughts are of good and not of evil. Plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. Some of you just needed to hear that today. That with every breath I take, with every second I live, even in my sleep, there is a God who thinks precious thoughts towards you like a bajillion times per second. Thoughts of good 
and not of evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Can you just rest in his love this morning to think that no matter my story, no matter my journey, his thoughts toward me are good and they're not of evil. They're plans to give me a future and I hope you go, does God ever like me or love me? Slow down and just think for a moment. This breath that I just took was filled with a cabajillion thoughts toward me. All right, if we could bring up that first slide, please, or second slide now. In Jesus' prayer, John 17. This is Jesus' prayer for us. It's one of the last things he prays for and says before the ascension. This is what he says. I think a last prayer is important. Because out of everything he could have said, he said this, he prayed this. For those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. There's a lot of one there, not close. I just want to be close to God. God doesn't want to be close. He wants to be one. And there's a difference. This is close. This is one. That's why David could say, even if I made my bed in hell, you would still be with me. That's why marriages shouldn't be close. They should be one. That's what makes them complicated. Because I want to get away, but not wherever you go, I go. Too bad. Wherever you go, I go. And it's almost to say to God, God, I, I can get away from you if I'm close, but I can't get away from you if I'm one. Covenant promise is one. It's oneness, not closeness. So we go, David would write, I'm gonna make my, my, my resting place, like his bed, his resting place, the very place he'd go, God won't be there. God's there before he gets there. Because they're you're not close, you're one. And Jesus praised that for us. That's the revelation. And that the world may know that you have sent me, the world will know our oneness, not our closeness. And what's this? And have loved them as you have loved me. Receive oneness through love. Let's go to the next slide. See, the paradox of oneness is this, is we have complete oneness in the finished work of Jesus, but we have access to more. We have all and more at the same time. So a year from now, I need a deeper revelation of oneness, even though I have all of oneness now. You know what I mean? Charles Fuller from the seminary, the famous seminary in America would say, the kingdom is the now and the not yet kingdom. It means I have everything now. All of the Holy Spirit lives in me. But my revelation of that oneness and allness will grow as I let go of more of myself. The, the kids here don't have a junior Holy Spirit in kids' church. I remember when we were leading in the generational ministries, when we were pastoring, my wife and I, and we would have leaders say this all the time. There'd be a guest speaker or an amazing session on that Sunday or weekend, and they go, oh, we've got to be up at the main church. 
Can I just tell you right now that the full power of the Holy Spirit is in the kids' church right now? No, junior Holy Spirit. It's not on probation. So you get a little bit as you go. It's all, all of the oneness. But what's your expectation on that oneness? Let's keep reading. Let's go to the next slide. So in John, Ephesians 3, it says this. We love 320, but let me give you a little bit of 19. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, which is a paradox, by the way. To know the love of Christ that passes what you know. To be filled with all the fullness of God. We could just live there for the next few years. To be filled with the fullness of God. What does that mean? Oh, but if I know his love that passes what I know, which means it goes beyond my understanding, as soon as I'm willing to go beyond what I should know about God, I enter into a deeper revelation of his love. That then I'm filled with the fullness of of God. How? Because a bajillion times per second, his thoughts are precious towards you and they're good and not of evil. Plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works where? In us. It's our revelation that leads us to an unrestrained life of living in God's love. Let's read in Mark 4. If we go to the next slide over. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Let's keep reading. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. I'm, I, I, I'm intrigued at the fact that he would say silence and not just be still. Because they were afraid, so they wake Jesus up. They're afraid, and so Jesus wakes up and silences the storm and then stills the storm. Because fear has a sound. Fear has a frequency. Fear has a frequency. In World War II, Hitler would use a, a type of warfare called the Blitzkrieg. And the Blitzkrieg, what would they, they would do is they would fly these planes over regions where Hitler and the Nazis would want to occupy and they would play a high-pitched sound that high-pitched sound conditioned people to going, we are going to die soon. And so they wouldn't put up a fight because the fear of death made them freeze in their fight. So he silences the frequency of fear and then stills it. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. So they were afraid that they were going to die. And now they're terrified that they're going to live with Jesus. Like, 
maybe every now and then what we see as an uncontrollable situation gets controlled by Jesus, the uncontrollable force. See, the ancients believed that only God could control the waters. And so they, they would have lost ships, they would have lost friends, they would have lost business, all in the water. Because only God could control the waters. So when Jesus silences the storm and stills the water, what he's saying to every disciple on that boat who was afraid they were going to die, He's saying, I'm the God that spoke the universe into being, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that met Moses on the mountain. I'm that God, and I'm in the boat with you. So you think the storm's scary. I'm the uncontrollable force you have to deal with. So they're afraid they're gonna die terrified they're going to live with Jesus. Who is this man? Let's keep reading. See, because in the midst of an uncontrollable situation, Jesus controlled it with uncontrollable love. And you go, Andrew, where did that come from? How do you know it's uncontrollable love? Well, let me show you. Psalm 107 says this. If we go to the next slide over. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper. Does it sound familiar? And still the waves. What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done for them. It was uncontrollable love. And he asked the question, where is your faith or why don't you have any faith? And then we can look at the disciples and go, well, you woke Jesus up. You know, where is your faith? You should have believed that. And I'll show you where they did have faith. The disciples had faith in Jesus's ability, not his love. He had, they had faith. You don't wake up a person to fix a problem if you don't have faith in their function. Right? They woke him up because they thought, Jesus, do something. You can do something, right? But they were terrified after he calmed it because what did they say when they woke him up? Don't you care that we're going to drown? Can I encourage some people in the room when we upgrade our expectation? Because a bajillion times per second, he's thinking good thoughts towards you. Plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. Is we can believe in, in Jesus' power and yet still not believe that he loves us. I can believe that he works miracles. I can believe that he brings my family prosperity and abundance. And yet I can still believe, does he like me today? It's a weird contradiction of the soul. When you think, God, I know you're powerful, but do you love me? Have you ever been so blessed one day and then felt unblessed the next day? 
if you were fighting for car parks at the DFO. I mean, sometimes the most spiritual we get is praying for car parks over Christmas. No, but like you're declaring everything. Oh, Lord, I, I just pray right now before I go to Westfield that, God, you're going to open up the right car park close to the door. You know, all this stuff. And yet you pray with less vigour when someone has a need because it's not your situation. And when I talk leaders and, 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 and ministry people in, in general, I would say pray for them like they're your kids because you pray different when your kid isn't feeling well. Or you pray different when it's your kid that needs a miracle. There's somebody's kid. And we have access to the Holy Spirit. The oneness, not close, one. We're one, not close. And so we can believe in God's power, but do we believe that He actually loves us? Let's go to the next slide over. 1 John 4 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Aren't you glad that his love for you isn't directly connected to your love for him? It's actually the other way around. Let's go to the next slide. Romans 4. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. I want to know what that bondage again is. What do you mean bondage again to fear? Well, one of my mentors, Bob Mendelssohn, who's the director of Jews for Jesus Australasia, we would meet and we would write sermons together. And a lot of what we did together, you're going to hear tonight. But one of the things he said to me, he goes, do you know the difference? You can make a law out of anything. For instance, good Christian people, just like me. I'll use me as the example, not you. I don't need a show of hands here. But have you ever said to God, after a great conference, after a spiritual moment, you've met with Jesus in a fresh way, you then make a stupid commitment for the next day. I'm gonna pray for an hour every morning. Now that might not be a lot for some people. For most of us, it is. You go, I'm gonna pray for an hour every day, every morning. I'm gonna set my alarm for four o'clock. That's my commitment. And Jesus goes, I never asked you to do it. I don't ask you to do it, but you're gonna try. And you wanna know why? Because we like making up rules that give us access to power rather than receiving his love and being so compelled by love that we wanna pray for an hour. And for the record, I love praying. I pray in the spirit all the time. That's my life. I make prophetic declarations over my family and my friends and the business and and ministry. I I love praying over, I love prayer. But I don't do it for God to bless me more. I do it because I'm already blessed. And so every now and then, somebody like me would say, God, I'm gonna pray for an hour. And then for a few days, you're good, right? For a few days, you're good. Then one day, you slip up. And you pray for 45 minutes, which for some of us is a good try anyway. Pray for 45 minutes. That day, you spill coffee on your white shirt going into work because you didn't get the car park that you wanted that was close enough to the door. And what happens? We go, oh, it was the 15 minutes. It was the 15 minutes. I'm gonna pray for an hour and 15 tomorrow. I've got to make up for it. Bondage again. 
to fear. I don't need to use an Old Testament law to show you that we can be as law-driven as anybody. We're bonded to envy. So, so, so Bob, my friend Bob, says, Andrew, because when he teaches young people, he goes, but adults need to hear it too. He said, if you live your life as though there is a heavenly FPOS machine and it's your credit card every single day, anything becomes a law. Let me explain. If you've ever been a university student, you know what it is to try to buy a Big Mac meal and really pray that you've got enough money on your card. <laughs> because what's the one word and the, and the symbol we want to see? Approved. That's like the gold. I mean, I know adults, like sometimes when you've, if you've never activated a credit card and you know you've got money, but you're embarrassed at the counter, why? Because they go, sorry, sir, it's been declined. And they whisper it, but it's so loud. declined and every day I'm this is the bondage again God did I do enough to be approved and yet this is what Bob would say he goes this is what we have to come into alignment with Jesus paid the price for all of us to be approved and we're not close to him we're one he said, you got to get rid of your credit card. you got to get rid of your, what you think is your debit card because you've got so much stuff on it because there is no amount on a credit card for you that can come up approved. Jesus did it. And now what's true of Jesus is true of me. So when the Father looks at the heavenly FPOS machine, he says, Jesus, where's your card for them? He's already done it. It comes up approved. What's the bondage again to fear? It's the fear that when I get up today, will I be approved by heaven? But you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You're not a child one day, not a child the next. Why? Because a bajillion times per second. There is a God who is your father, who thinks about you and his thoughts are precious and they're of good and not of evil, plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. Jesus swiped the credit card because it's his credit that I have access to. Not because we're close, but because we're one. Let's go to the next slide over. My observation is this, is how God loves us is not based on our love for Him, but rather how we love is based on a deep revelation of His love. God's love is not a reaction. That's why He loved us first. Because God's creative, not reactive. Let's go to the next slide. In the 1980s, the late 1980s, there was a movie called Piranhas. And let me, let me just line up with the metaphor or the analogy of the library. For some of you in this room, you will not know what a video shop was. Please rewind before you return. They would fine you if you didn't rewind the tape. And again, hold on a minute, some of you don't even know what a tape is. It was this black cartridge, right, that had this magnetic strip on it, and they would put videos on it. I, I, I come from the era of playing Nintendo with the cartridge, the gray box, the NES. 
And if it didn't work, let me talk to my people for a minute. When it didn't work, you'd have to pull it out and then tap it twice and then put it back in and it worked. It was a miracle. I don't even know how it happened. Duck Hunt was my favorite game. Like we're talking Super Mario Brothers is my tribe. But my cousin worked at a video shop and every weekend, like every good ethnic family, we would gather and try to get the, the, the free video of the new release. And he would, he would work there and we knew Saturday night he was going to get the new release because he put it aside and we didn't have to pay for it. So we'd go to the house and we'd watch this movie. Now, I shouldn't have been watching some of the movies I watched. I saw Robocop when I was like, I don't know what age, shouldn't have seen it. But they tried to protect us because they would put all the kids in a different room. But we knew where the crack in the door was. <laughs> and we'd all like sneak up and we'd be like looking like this. Or you know when your kids, you're not allowed to watch a movie, they go, cover your eyes and you're like this. <laughs> so Piranhas comes on. I don't even like Jaws to be fair. Like I'm a pretty decent swimmer, especially if I was swimming in Adelaide. I'd let a whole row of people swim a little bit further than me. Because Jaws has to have some choice before he gets to me. So I'm watching Piranhas. And there's this scene where, you know, this couple, they're, they're having a romantic moment in some, like, lagoon somewhere. Like, Piranhas, like, it wasn't a great movie, by the way. But they remade it, like, multiple times. Even in 3D. They made Piranhas 3D. So there's this couple having this romantic moment in some lagoon kind of lake thing. And the music is sweet and it's all romantic and everything. And then they cut to this shot. And it's this shot of little sharp red-eyed fish just swimming. like, And then one after the next. They're little and sharp teeth and da-da-da-da-da. And they're all going and the music changes. You know how music, because there's a frequency, right? So there's all these changes. And so there's a shot and this romantic music is playing. Then there's this other shot of these little fish like swimming. And they're totally unknown to what's going on there. This couple has no idea. And then suddenly, as I'm watching through the crack in the door, the two meet. And suddenly... The music changes. This couple is getting eaten by piranhas. And this water and sound is coming up from this lake, lagoon kind of thing. And it's going, and you're hearing what the piranhas sound like when they're eating. And it sounds like this. And you're hearing, as they're screaming in pain. Now I'm about eight years old. I'm looking through the crack in the door and I had this epiphany, this moment of frequency. And I went, that sound sounds like when mum empties the bath right at the end. So I have a younger brother. He... Few years younger than me. At eight years old, you don't like your younger sibling anyway. So I convinced my mum, who thought it was the sweetest thing ever that I wanted to spend more time with my brother. Can you put him in the bath with me when we have a bath? And I remember sitting in this bath and the plug's there, 
Because the plug's where it's deeper, right? And I'm bigger, so you want to sit in the deeper end. Except with him, I went, you sit over there. (laughs) See, in my head and in my imagination, what happened was I believed that piranhas could get me in the bathtub. (laughs) Yeah, that's ridiculous, Andrew. It's true. That is totally ridiculous. But to an eight-year-old that heard a sound, it's very real. So much so, I was willing to sacrifice my younger brother <laughs> to the piranhas because he hadn't lived as long a life, you know what I mean? So take him. I mean, if you've ever swum in a swimming pool at night and you just watch Jaws and you close your eyes, you hear the sound of... It's a frequency and it stirs your imagination How ridiculous to think piranhas could get you in a bathtub. But I believed it because there was a sound. And my imagination attached itself to a sound. And sometimes our sound, which is connected to a bondage again to fear, is you're not good enough. You haven't done enough. Did I, do I have to go back to the cross to finish that part of your life? We we, we live in this world of Have I done enough today? And if I didn't do enough today, maybe it's on credit and I'll get it tomorrow. Because we tapped the card. And there's this sound, declined, not good enough. I don't have prosperity for you, but I have it for them. And there's this sound and this frequency. And you go, how ridiculous to believe that piranhas could get you in the bathtub. Because piranhas don't even live near Melbourne, because that's where I grew up. Like not even close, not even native. Right? And I want you to think about this for a moment. This is how ridiculous it is for piranhas to get me in the bathtub. If we go to the next slide, over. Uh, you understand, they live in South America. I lived in 1009 North Road in Melbourne. They had to swim 15,491 kilometers in a group cut through the waters with other predators with a good GPS to find themselves in Melbourne. Not only that, they got to find themselves in Melbourne and figure out which council to find. (laughs) Then there's one leader They turn to the rest of the piranhas because they can talk now. (laughs) And turn around and say to the rest of them, when they find the right city council, then they find the right sewerage system, it says, single file! (laughs) As they swim up the pipes. They swim through the pipes, and now they've got to defy gravity. They've got to swim up pipes. And out of all the houses in my city council, they've got to find my house and get through the little metal grate at the end of the bar. (laughs) When I attached fear to piranhas getting me in the bathtub, when I say that out loud, you go, oh my Lord, that's just stupid. When you say God doesn't love me, and I show you how he does, and the Bible's filled with a narrative of, Jesus came to make the sad things untrue. 
and he loves you like a bajillion times per second. When you say God doesn't love me, that's as ridiculous as saying piranhas are going to get you in the bathtub. And that's your takeaway from this morning. (laughs) Next time you think, God doesn't love me, you go, stop. That's as ridiculous as saying piranhas can get me in the bathtub. If we get the next slide over, and if I could have the musicians up, please. For I am persuaded. Are you persuaded this morning? Are you persuaded that when you leave, you stand up, you leave, you go to the shops, maybe you go to the the DFO, maybe you go somewhere (laughs) and you're praying for your car park. Maybe beyond that, you say, God, give me a fresh revelation of your love. In a season of expansion, we can get scared. When we give, it's actually scary sometimes. If it's too comfortable for you to give, you should give more. Because you're not stingy, right? So you just get in expansion and the stretch, we sometimes get scared like we're in a boat, but then there's this uncontrollable force and this uncontrollable love that grabs us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because we're not close, we're one. Would you stand up to your feet and let me pray for you this morning? I'm so grateful you're here. But I do know this, that if you can silence your soul in a moment like this and listen to the Spirit of God, as Romans 8 said, that His Spirit would speak to our spirit and remind us that we're children of God. And when we're children of God, then we're co-heirs. And we don't have to kind of swipe our own credit card because we have dads through the finished work of Jesus. Whilst you're standing here in this moment and, you, and you're breathing and you're taking that deep breath in and you're thinking and focusing on the love of Jesus for you, I want you to know this. We can have faith in His power, but do you have faith in His love for you? Because a bajillion times per second, He's thinking about you, precious thoughts. And every one of those thoughts is of good and not of evil. Plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. And as ridiculous as you think it is for God not to love you, it's the same ridiculousness for piranhas to get you in the bathtub. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.